0: You are getting ready to listen to the voice of Dr. Roddy Ferguson, 2004 Olympian, four-time national judo champion, Brazilian oh, jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu black belt. belt, author, speaker, and coach. Good morning, this is Dr. Ferguson, and I would like to speak with you about something that you may, you may possibly be missing, uh, something that we got at our university. Something that it wasn't as clear to me. Um as it is now. Because I have a, a daughter, I am more in tune to some of the things that I was taught before. Sometimes you 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 receive a thing or sometimes you receive a word or sometimes you receive words or a piece of education. That lies dormant in the psyche, dormant in the mind, dormant in your mental context and it's not woken up uh, until a period of time comes for the the moment of enlightening. Uh, I had a I had a daughter seven years ago. My daughter's name is Rod D. Ferguson and from that time, I've had uh, friends like Michelle Arrington, uh McNight, McKnight, um Engel Willis, um And of course, my wife who has who have hipped me to what we call rape culture or the or the dominant culture of males that I wasn't really akin to. So, well, that I was basically akin to but wasn't aware of. I remember in my classes at Howard where it spoke about the this the understanding of the social context of rape culture mirrors that of a declination in civil rights. And I was looking through my my library and I I stumbled upon my book that I have um Angela Davis on women, race, and class and if you can indulge me for a moment, I would like to read a few paragraphs to you so that you can see how It is important for males in society to understand that when there's a rise in rape culture that there's a decline in our civil rights and to look at how these two things are married to understand that rape culture is so pervasive and it permeates the fabric of our society so much that it's not only people who are end up getting raped or women who are integrating or or men in the minority, some who end up getting raped, but it is the voices of the people who end up getting raped. So, your voice is raped. Your stance is raped. Even to the point where I read a post today where somebody said about the the protesters in Charlotte, they said, well, if the counter protesters would have never showed up and allowed those people to protest peacefully, then nothing would have happened to the point where I told her, I said, well, I said, just think about them. That's like you saying, well, the problem is is that if if this woman stops bothering the rapist and stops being a tattletale and just lets the rapist rapist do his business, then there would be no problem with rape. It's like when people say stop talking about racism. And that it it will go away. So, if you indulge me for a moment to please show you the link between the two things, the linking between rape culture and the declination of civil rights over a period of time. I'm gonna briefly read from Angela Davis's book on women, race, and class. working class men whatever their color can be motivated to rape by the belief that their maleness accords them the privilege to dominate women. Yet since they they do not possess the social or economic authority unless it is a white man raping a woman of color guaranteeing them immunity from prosecution, the incentive is not nearly as powerful as it is for men of the capitalist class. When working class men accept the invitation to rape extended by the ideology of male supremacy, They are accepting a bribe, an illusory compensation for their powerlessness. The class structure of capitalism encourages men who wield power in the economic and political realm to become routine agents of sexual exploitation. The present rape epidemic occurs at a time when the capitalist class is furiously reasserting its authority in the face of global and internal challenges both racism and sexism central to its domestic strategy of increased economic exploitation are receiving unprecedented encouragement. It is not a mere coincidence that as an incidence of rape has risen, the position of women workers has visibly worsened. So severe are women's economic losses that their wages and relationship to men are lower than they were. The proliferation of sexual violence is the brutal face of a generalized intensification of the sexism which necessarily accompanies this economic assault. Following a pattern of established racism, the attack on women mirrors the deteriorating situation of workers of color and the rising influence of racism in the judicial system, the educational institutions, and in the government's posture of studied neglect toward black people and people of color. The most dramatic sign of the dangerous resurgence of racism is the new visibility of the Ku Klux Klan and the related epidemic of violent assaults on blacks, Chicanos, Puerto Ricans, and Native Americans. The present rape epidemic bears an extraordinary likeness to this violence kindled racism. Women race in class by Angela Davis. Anytime that you see a rise as we've seen in rape culture and you see this push towards capitalism with a decrease or an or increase in the decline of morality or moral behavior. You will also see the decline of civil rights. These are the things that you are missing. These are the things that they're not teaching you in school. These are the things that are not taught. These are the things that you you must teach your young especially men, you must teach your young your young boys that 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 you're rearing and and women the the young uh, men that you're rearing this this culture, okay, this culture that that runs, they run in tandem with each other. The rape culture. And the decline of civil rights run in tandem with each other. And what happens is males get tricked, especially black males get get tricked into this 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 white supremacist thought conceptual framework. Understand that white supremacy is a conceptual framework. I operate under white supremacy. You operate under white supremacy. Your neighbors operate under white supremacy. You are a white supremacist. I'm a white supremacist. We are white supremacists by default. Just like when you're when you're white and you're in or you're the majority and you're in a white supremacist framework. If you don't do anything anti-racist, you are racist by default based upon the academic definition of of, of supremacy, of white supremacy, of privilege and racism. Just because you are racist by default does not mean that you're doing anything actively racist in order to do something actively bad against somebody. But if you operate upon under the, under the conceptual framework which exists and you don't do anything anti-racist, And you ride the conveyor belt of white supremacy and racism, then you are a white supremacist and you are a racist. That doesn't mean you did anything bad. If I do not actively teach my son about white supremacy and actively do the things in my community and in my neighborhood to help out those who are disenfranchised and people of color, I am also a racist because I would fit under the system and I would be no different than a black person who's been spray painted white or a white person who's been spray painted black. Your your behavior will dictate who and what you are. One of listen. One of my good friends since they surge out of Rhode Island. Absolutely fantastic dude. One of the most anti-racist people that I've seen. Why? Because he goes against the conveyor belt in terms of his behavior to do things that are contradictory to society because that is what needs to be done when you know that you operate in a in a conceptual framework which is supremacist. The things that you really have to pay attention to that you really must pay attention to. I don't care what sector you're in in terms of work, or what sport you're in I'm in the sport of judo you have to pay attention to you have to pay attention to what is your sub societal norms meaning the subgroup that you're in whatever group that you're in it has its own societal norms to it those people who those people who get to dictate what the societal norms are of the group are the people who dictate the rules those people who dictate the rules, those people structure the framework. If the framework 9 times out of 10 is structured by euro eurocentric thought processes, then you have a eurocentric framework. That eurocentric framework 9 times out of 10 is a white supremacist framework by default. If that does occur, And you're not intentionally putting anybody of color or people of power in those positions or if it's male dominated and you're not intentionally putting women in those positions, then you are by default. You are by default just as bad as the bigots you point at on television. See what people don't understand that by definition what Trump said sounds great to people who don't know any better. He said well, there was violence on both sides. So when when the people were protesting in the in the sixties and they were hit with the water holes and the dogs. What was there violence on both sides? So if if you go into someone's house to rob them and then you respond in shooting the person, is there violence on both sides? If I walk up to you and I slap you in the face and you hit me back, is there violence on both sides? If I grab you and I spit in your face and then you hit me back. Is there violence on both sides? If you're Jewish and I walk up into your in, in, into your area where you're around some of your Jewish friends and I and I spew anti-Semitic things and I and I and I throw stuff on the floor and I slap somebody in the face and I pull a yarmulke off the floor and I throw it on the ground and I stump on it. Is there violence on both sides if you react? See the the problem is and it's always like this is that we want to attack the response but we don't want to deal with the stimulus. The stimulus brings about the response and I think that what Donald Trump is missing and a lot of white folks are missing and you should get this particular point. Is that there's a there's an undergearing that has been that has been it has been inflamed. It has been inflamed. It, is, it has been inflamed and it has made people believe that they are empowered to do things that they are not empowered to do. You can get a permit all you like and you could walk around as much as you like with a flag and uh and you could do, you could do that you could do that stuff as much as you like when people feel like you are threatening their livelihood or you are threatening their their way of being or their existence they are going to push back now let me let me address this because i've heard some of you ignoramuses say this you've said i don't agree with any extremist group Like the KKK or Black Lives Matter, listen very carefully. If you are saying anything so stupid, it means that you don't read, that you don't understand history and you don't understand the historical context of the Ku Klux Klan. Black Lives Matter, they have not hung anybody. They have not shot anybody. They don't have any Jobs behind the scenes where they're in hoods at one time and then out of hoods during the day stopping people from 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 moving up the economic ladder, stopping people from getting jobs, stopping people from 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 eating, stopping people from making it home at home in the evening. See, when when you think about things like affirmative action, you don't understand that affirmative action has had to be in place because there are people who who used to wear those hoods are in offices that have stopped people from getting jobs. And then there are people who don't wear those hoods who have permeated the fabric of our society from having children, having friends, going to like churches, segregating themselves and then they create a situation where if you don't allow people of color to come up through the ranks, they will color the whole place the way that they deem fit with their thought processes With their way of life with their basically they they will rape everybody and make you lay down and like it and for those of us who I don't but for those of us who do who work a nine to five or eight to five for the for the black folks who who had a job and 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 for you some of you white folks listen, I want you to understand what it's like because I have a I have a um I have one of my judo students who says she's in a class right now in an African studies class. She's in an African studies class with with all black folks and it's only like four or five white folks in there. And she says she feels uncomfortable. I said, well, what do you think it's like for black folks walking around all day? Hold well, on. Let me let me read this comment. Good points but unlawful unjustified violence is not the same as lawful justified violence. And I'm not talking so right here. Listen, I have no problem with you, Doctor Butts. Unlawful violence is, is unlawful. It's it's unlawful. And let me tell you what's unlawful. Dr. Butts, if I haul off and I slap you in the face and I back up and I say, Hey man, I, I mean you no threat, man. I just need I just need to slap the shit out of you. And you hit me back, that's unlawful violence. Your life was not being threatened. What you need to do is you need to take me to court. And you need to press charges for assault. And you need to go through the appropriate channels and due process. That's what you would need to do. And anything outside of that would be what you call unlawful. What I'm telling you is that our our moral compass or for some people immoral compass guides our behavior and sometimes you don't have time to wait to right the particular wrong which is in front of you. You have to write it right now. We have we have situations because we have such a litigious society where some doctors could be on an airplane or be in be in a situation in a grocery store and they see somebody dying or having a cardiac arrest and they won't touch the person because they're afraid of being sued. Their moral compass will not allow them to help because they don't know what's going to happen if they help. What I'm telling you is that there are certain times. Well, let me say it like my granddad said it. He said, "There are rules, and then there are rules. You have the right, sir, to do whatever you like. People have the right to, to do whatever they like, and everything that you do has a consequence that comes with that particular thing. Everything. Everything that you do has a consequence. Now, let me move back to this this whole um, the, the, the reckoning of people saying that Black Lives Matter is an extremist group like the KKK." I'm going to need for some of you all, and I I, I mean you no know, disrespect. I mean you no know, disrespect. And this is this is unfortunately this is black folks and white folks. I mean you no know, disrespect. But I had I had the I had the outstanding privilege, okay, to attend a historical black college. All right. And with that, I had the opportunity to to receive an education. That allowed me to be retrained from the miseducation that I got when I was reading textbooks showing me black slaves laughing, dancing, and singing in a textbook like they were having a good time. I don't I don't think that many white folks understand the the threat of domestic terrorism that black folks deal with on a daily basis the fear that they have when when a police officer pulls up to the side of them the, the fear that they have when a police officer knocks on the door the fear that they have when they go to work and a few two or three of their white friends start start the email chain And start saying, well, if you could get this so-and-so back to me by five o'clock, that'd be great. And then the other one says, well, I'm not sure if she could do that right now because I've asked her to get XYZ to me and I haven't received mine yet. And they start these games with you and you don't have anybody to bump for you. You don't have anybody to bump for you at the job. They got three, four, five, six people that they go out with, they hang out with, they go to each other, like you're, you're not in that group. And if you and then if you don't go to the bar with them and hang out afterwards with them at the places that they like with the music that they like and the music that you don't like and the drinks that you that they drinking something else you want to drink Hennessy you can't drink Hennessy you gotta drink what they drink. You gotta you got you gotta drink the vodka on the rocks. That's not what you drink but you gotta drink what they drink and then you gotta hang out and then you probably gotta get home. With your kids do the homework to do it because you don't have no au pair. You don't have no nanny. You don't got none of that. You got you got to get back home. do what you need to do with your kids and you and you might stay sometimes thirty-five or forty minutes further than where they stay from their job because they they they're working off a compound interest from the Freedmen's Bureau Act but they want to say oh well my my ancestors didn't have X Y. It doesn't matter if they have it or not. You still you still exist and survive because of compound interest. People don't even, some of these people who are listening to me right now, they don't even understand what I'm talking about. Because you don't have any clue about the Freedmen's Bureau Act. But the Freedmen's Bureau Act could have literally changed the way that the that the United States looks because of land ownership. But that's another story. Getting back to domestic terrorism. You 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 don't even know what the You don't even know what it feels like to walk into a room full of people, and you're the only person in the you're the only person in the room that looks like you. That rarely happens for some of you white folks in the United States. That rarely happens to you all, okay? And when it does, it's for a period of time when you say, "Oh, it happened when I went to Japan." Right? You go to these places, you go to these places, and then you come back home, and you're like, whew. Where is, where is the black person to go to feel like that? Where? Now, let me, let me, let me go a little further. Let me answer this other question for you. Now, let me answer the question. Let me, let me, let me tell you the, the facts. Black folks never wanted integration. I'll say it again. Black folks never wanted integration. I'll say it again. Black folks never wanted integration. That was never black folks fight ever. That was a made up thing. I'm gonna make my point. I'm gonna make my point. The law on the books at the time was separate but equal. Black folks don't have no problem with separate or equal. Separate and equal. White folks don't have a problem with separate and equal. You know how I know? because I've been to Lynn University down there and 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 Florida and it's a campus full of white folks and they 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 just fine. I've been to Howard University and it's a campus full of black folks and they just fine. Hofstra campus full of white folks and they just fine. North Carolina A&T campus full of black folks and they just fine. Everybody's fine. Those people go to school where they want to go to school. But what happened was it was separate but it wasn't equal my mother they would get when my mother was in school the books that the white kids were done with three and four years out of date with the binder all broken and pages ripped out all those books got shipped into the black districts for those children to use and those were the books that they got the chairs the tables all of the things that they, that they received they were all the hand-me-downs from white folks. Now, understand this. Understand how it feels because you you don't have no clue because most of you all don't have this particular history. Your mom and dad go work at the white people's house because this is what it was like in the South. They work at the white people's house. The white people hand them down clothes. Your, Your grandma or your granddad, your grandma or your aunt's they either take the stitch out the clothes or stitch up the clothes or stitch up the holes in the clothes for you to have clothes. And then you get the white folks hand me downs from their house. And then every once in a while they let you take some food home after you've been cleaning their floors and toilet. And then in school you get the white folks hand me down from the school. So there's a there's a culture of We will give you what we want to give you when it's time for us to give you what you should have when we feel like you should have it when we are done with it. And that has been the culture. The issue was Dr. King who headed the movement who they who they allowed to head the movement at that particular time said, well, listen, these folks not going to get any perspective until we streamline our problems into their into their area. And when you streamline your problem into that, when they can see you walk in there with your dingy shoes on and your and your dungarees and you've been you've been picking in the field, canning tomatoes and you walking in them people's school, then they they have some perspective and when they can see if you don't purposely Create these hurdles for my learning then the footing becomes the same and my ability to learn is the same as yours. See the the conceptual framework of white supremacy exists because you have you have to do what Hitler did in the Olympics with Jesse Owens. You have to make Jesse Owens move the mark back so that the other person can win. because you're not interested in equality and equity you're interested in supremacy and see the hard part about this is that if person A is interested in supremacy and they're fighting against person B who's only interested in in in, in equality it's very different for person B to ever win because person person A is fighting for 100%. Person B is fighting for 50%. The math in and of itself will tell you that the fight will will allow them to end up around 75%. So, the the person fighting for equality is still on the losing end of the battle unless some of the people Who are on the other side in group A decide to jump ship and disenfranchise themselves for the right thing and let me tell you something about what Frederick Douglass said. Frederick Douglass said power does not concede itself. This is why most of the white males inside the United States they're feeling like they're being disenfranchised. Disenfranchised from what? They're feeling like they're being disenfranchised because they went from eating the whole pie. Okay, in the 1800s, they went from eating the whole pie. 1850s, eating the whole pie, to the 1950s, eating 90 percent of the pie, to the 1980s of eating 85 percent of the pie, to the year 2000 of eating 78 percent of the pie, or 80 percent of the pie, and they don't want to eat less than 70, 70, 80 percent of the pie. Nobody's stealing anything from them. Most of the stuff that they got, they didn't earn anyway. Most of most of the listen, most of the wealth, okay, the the wealth that was passed down in the United States from white folks, most of the wealth was not earned anyway. Jesus. Be right they they earned it out of that. No, they did not earn it. What are you talking about? They did not earn it. Historically, if you look at black folks and people of color worked for free. It was free labor for 100 hundred years. It's 100 years of free labor. The hundred years of free labor that, that you don't ever have to pay. Listen, if you if you grab me two people and you let them work for me for a hundred years, they're going to be all right. We say good points. Talk about the Harlem, Harlem Renaissance if you get a chance. I would talk about the Harlem Renaissance but the Harlem Renaissance is a small snapshot of the whole picture and what happens is Dr. Butts, if you talk about the Harlem Renaissance, then what happens is people think that they that the Harlem Renaissance equates with everything that has happened in the United States and they get a false read on what was going on in the United States based upon the few good things that were happening in Harlem. So, although I could talk about the Harlem Renaissance, it doesn't fit within this particular discussion. So, I've talked about the how rape culture permeates our society and runs in tandem with a lack of civil rights, alright? I also talked about extremist groups and how the KKK doesn't it's, it's not even in the same league as Black Lives Matter, Antifa, those people have not killed anybody, hung anybody, threatened people, caused people of color to live under under physical and emotional terrorism. And then we talked about how how Donald Trump and the society in and of itself has created this undergearing, which has people believing that they can speak to other people a certain way. And let me close with this I believe in Jesus. I'm a God dude, all the way around and twice on Sunday. But if you walk up on me talking shit, I'm going to punch you in your motherfucking mouth. Have a great day. Take that with you.